Hello and welcome to Hyatt Report and this is your host Omar Hyatt. Today I'm going to talk about how from time to time we in the western liberal democracies mostly with the best of in- intentions from our ivory towers pick sides rather easily when it comes to politics of global south without actually fully understanding the complexities. Now, if you don't believe me, just think about the cooperation that took place between former dictator of Pakistan Musharraf and the West in early to mid 2000s. He wasn't somebody who was elected democratically. In fact, he had ousted a democratically elected prime minister of his country in a coup d'etat. And the West pretty much rolled out red carpets to him while he gave himself the title of president. It, now, that, that is in the past, right? So some may say, oh, that happened in the past. That was the last decade or two, day, two decades ago. Then you're wrong. Think about what is happening today. Think about how current dictator of Egypt, Sisi, who ousted a democratically elected politician, Morsi, gets to shake hands with world leaders. This is happening today. This wasn't two decades ago. This wasn't two years ago. This is happening as we speak in this present time. And clearly, in both of these instances, the liberal democracies chose to do business with dictators at the expense of our core values. So, in both cases, right, we we forgot about freedom of speech, we forgot about democracy, we forgot about freedom of press, because in Egypt, what is happening now? The TikTokers are being sent to jail, journalists are being sent to jail, people, who, anybody who dares to speak against, Morse, uh, against um, Sisi is being sent to jail. So, clearly, we have rolled out red carpets for these dictators at the expense of our core values. So, Today, I, I don't really want to talk about more. I don't want to talk about CC or Musharraf. What I do want to talk about, though, is um, about these supposed political activists or leaders from the global south that the West is currently siding with, and why I think siding with these supposed activists or leaders might be a mistake. So, number one on my list today is Alexei Navalny. So Alexei Navalny, if you follow the news in the West, um, the likes of CNN, BBC or um, NBC or MSNBC, and here in Australia, if you follow um, mainstream news channels, then they would have you believe that Alexei Navalny is some kind of hero because he's going against the bad Putin, the monster Putin, and he's fighting for democracy in Russia. Yay! But it's, it's not true. Trust me. On the contrary, a lot of people from Russia believe that Alexei Navalny is a bigger threat to Russia than Putin was ever or could ever be. Um, So Alexei Navalny is currently being held as this hero in the West. And obviously, he rose to prominence in Russia by his supposed expose of corruption in Kremlin. And although he ran for the office of mayor in Moscow, he lost. And not a lot of people in the West 
know that Navalny has never held a public office in Russia. In fact, he started his uh, political career as a member of Russian Liberal Party Yabloko. But then he was expelled from that party because of his quote-unquote nationalist activities. And I'm sure, like I said, media outlets in the West would have you believe that Navalny is a saint because he stands for freedom, peace and prosperity. And he is now in jail because monster Putin is going after him, blah, blah, blah. But trust me, I don't buy any of that BS. Like, to me, it's bullshit. Anytime any of these mainstream media outlets like the New York Times or the CNN or the BBC or MSNBC or NBC or the Washington Post, anytime they try to make a hero of, uh, of someone, just go and do your background research and you'll find out that's in fact not the case. And similarly, when they try to character assassinate somebody, just go and do your research and you'll oftentimes find that's indeed not the case. So just based, so I was watching news and I'm, I was seeing how Alexei Navalny, this heroic figure is in jail now. So I was like, let me just go and do some research because I doubt these newspapers or these media outlets are in fact telling the truth. So I started reading up and I started um, doing some research on these guys, right? So it, the first thing that I found about Alexei Navalny's track record that in the past he supported far-right groups in Russia and he has from time to time explicitly confirmed his anti-immigration stance. And in addition to his support for far-right groups in Russia, Navalny has also expressed his disdain towards Russia's Muslim-majority autonomous region, Chechnya. And at one point in time, he also called for the expulsion of Georgians from Russia, and he had to apologize for using an ethnic slur against Georgians. And if you if you remember a while ago, I think this was in February or early January of 2021 or something, when Meghan McCain on um, on the View. Uh, was wearing a shirt that read Navalny or that had Navalny written across it. And uh, and I'll be honest, I wasn't all that shocked, but a tad bit amused. Because in the back of my mind, I was questioning if she would have worn a similar shirt with, let's say, someone's name in America who perhaps had used racist slurs against Mexicans. I'm not sure. You tell me. I've never seen her wearing um, a Trump t-shirt. Like, honestly. Anyway, that, that that's neither here nor there. But in the end, with regards to Alexei Navalny, it's, it's important to call out that no doubt Navalny has raised some serious questions surrounding corruption in Kremlin. And the recent protest and unrest and subsequent arrest of thousands of act, uh, activists in Russia is only helping his case or cause, or whatever one wants to call it. Um, but in my opinion, anybody who uses racist slurs against 
an ethnic population um, is not a hero. So I would, <laughs> so I would say Alexei Navalny is definitely not my hero and definitely not a hero to a lot of people. Uh, but if you go by what the West is, the Western media is saying, they would have you believe he's a hero. Now the next person on my list is none other than Aung San Suu Kyi. I still can't pronounce her name. Like it's. I don't know if it's Aung San Suu Kyi or if it's Aung San Suu Kyi. Anyway, I'll go with Aung San Suu Kyi. So she was hailed as this heroic figure from uh, Myanmar and she was somebody who supposedly stood for democracy and therefore was even awarded Nobel Peace Prize, right? Amongst many other accolades. However... Since August 2017, she not only failed to denounce the crimes committed against Rohingyas, but went so far as to defend Myanmar's military in International Court of Justice. So, get this, right? She she does not utter a word against the ongoing genocide of an ethnic population in her country, but then also goes on to defend the the genocidal maniacs who committed that genocide in the International Court of Justice. And I still cannot forget um, in October, I think it was October 2013 or November 2013, just look up the date, um, but it was somewhere in 2013, the, uh, the late 2013, Suji was confronted by this BBC's journalist Michal Hussein about the oppression of Rohingyas in her country. Um, and then, for some reason, Suji made an attempt to blame the victims of oppression. And in fact, she, was, she, she implied that Rohingyas were somehow responsible for what was happening to them. Like, this is how she talked, or this is the interview she gave to Michelle Hussein from BBC, and then she tried to paint this picture of both sides. Like she tried to say, oh, there were these armed people from amongst Rohingyas who waged some sort of um, uprising against Myanmar's military. And as a response, the military responded. And then the genocide happened. Like I was so confused when I watched that interview. Like honestly, I, I was so shocked um, with her both sides argument argument. And it was it was very dishonest at best and a cover-up of crimes against humanity at worst. And then there was that article in Vox um, about this article I think was published in 2016. Uh, no, sorry, there was an article in Vox about a book that was published in 2016. And in that book, it was alleged that Suchi complained about this BBC interview with Michelle Hussein with comments um, saying, quote, no one told me I was going to be interviewed by a Muslim, unquote. So apparently or allegedly, this is how Suchi reacted to being interviewed by Michal Hussein. And mind you, Michal Hussein is a British journalist who worked for BBC at the time. And she asked her some very fair questions. Like, that's her job. The, the journalists are meant to hold 
powerful people's feet to the fire, and that is what she did. And this is how allegedly Suchi reacted to that interview, that she did not know she was going to be interviewed by a Muslim. And that's when I realized, like, this is not somebody who stands for these supposed human rights or democracy. So, in conclusion about Aung San Suu Kyi, I would say she was never my hero. I never fell for um, the media that portrayed her as a hero, nor she will ever be my hero. She defended what I believe is a genocide. She took a very clear position when she defended Myanmar's military in Hague. That position was not a position of democracy or human rights. It was a position of covering up crimes against humanity. It was a position of pivoting from the fact that a genocide took place in her country and she remained silent. It was a position of denying the truth that she remained silent to maintain her political clout. Because people who supported her were mostly people who held quote-unquote, bigoted views against Rohingyas. Aung San Suu Kyi made her bed, and now she must lie in it. Now she's in prison again. Military has taken over the country again. And I feel really bad for the people of Myanmar because they lost their democracy. Now they're protesting, and military is cracking down on those protesters, again, with brute force and violence. I feel sad for them, but I'm not sad about Aung San Suu Kyi at all because she defended the military that has now taken over her country. So I have no sympathies for her. I I would not call her my hero. Last but not the least on my list is Juan Guaido. Now, before we discuss Guaido, it's important to understand a little bit about the policies of former president of Venezuela, Hugo Chavez, uh, specifically his decision to nationalize Venezuela's oil. Um, And prior to Chavez winning the 1998 presidential election on his socialist platform, um, Venezuela was more or less a free market economy and American corporations like ExxonMobil and Chevron played a key role in operating its oil production facilities. But nationalization of these facilities meant that these American corporations did not get to exploit the fossil fuel reserves in Venezuela as much as they would have liked to. And bear in mind, as of 2012, Venezuela had the world's largest oil reserves. And in addition to this, a lot of people forget that Venezuela was one of the founding members of OPEC, which stands for Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries, alongside Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and Iran. Um, And I'm just going to preface it with this, right? Even though I am a diehard capitalist at heart and a proponent of free market economy, I would have to admit and I would hate to admit that in the post-World War II era, anytime a country went against the interest of um, capitalism or American capitalism, or American corporations, or its military-industrial complex, that country had to face the wrath of American imperialism. Um, And that's a topic on its own. And I would talk about imperialism maybe in another podcast, but that's exactly what happened in Venezuela's case. 
Soon after Chavez implemented his nationalization policies and went against American attempts of isolating Cuba, the relationship between America and Venezuela went downhill. And in this backdrop of American establishment's disdain towards socialist Venezuela, Juan Guaido, a right-wing figure in Venezuelan politics, pops up in 2019. And mind you, not many people in the world, or for that matter, even in Venezuela, knew prior to his now infamous ploy to overthrow current democratically elected socialist president of Venezuela, Nicolas Maduro. And according to sanctionskill.org, I'll just read out this passage from um, this website, right? Um, It's an interesting website. I would recommend everyone go and read it. So according to sanctionskill.org, quote, Guaido showed total unrestrained at the use of thug violence to meet his political goals. Before 2019, the only knowledge that the Venezuelan public had of him outside of his constituency was that he was one of the most enthusiastic supporters of the violent roadblocks that took the country to the brink of civil war in 2017. Numerous photos showed Guaido grinning ear to ear alongside armed fascists who were responsible for the deaths of over a hundred people, unquote. And this alleged fascist maniac was propped up by the Western media outlets as this quote-unquote hero of Venezuela who was going to be this alternative to the monster, the bad guy of Venezuela, Nicolas Maduro, when in reality, it was completely opposite to, the ground reality was completely opposite to what the media outlets was portraying Juan Guaido to be. Um, So this is what happens. This is classic case of regime change, right? So this happens every time. So every time CIA or America or its allies want to change a regime in a country, they start by saying, oh, democracy and freedom of speech and freedom of press is under threat in that country. That's number one. The second thing they do is if there are elections held in that country, they then call those elections as not transparent. So first they'll say the democracy is under threat, there is no freedom of speech, there is no freedom of press, and then they'll say the elections held in that country aren't transparent, and therefore this regime is invalid. That's their go-to playbook. I'm sure they've gotten it written down somewhere as a to-do list. So anytime they want to overthrow a regime in any country, they'll start by saying, oh, there is a democracy under threat, freedom of speech under threat, freedom of press under threat. And then the next thing they do is they say, oh, the elections weren't transparent. Anyway, I I digress. So they literally, the Western media was propping up Juan Guaido a supposed fascist maniac as an alternative to Nicolas Maduro. Now, I'm not saying Nicolas Maduro is a saint, but what I what I am saying is allegedly Juan Guaido wasn't a saint either. In fact, if anything, if if anything, if you go by the allegations, he was in fact a fascist maniac. So, I'm just calling out so these people, um Alexei Navalny, um 
Aung San, Aung San Suu Kyi or Aung San Suu Kyi um, and Juan Guaido, all of these people were portrayed as these heroic figures, saviors of democracy across the globe. But that's a, that's a bunch of bullshit. Um, so yeah, so I just so like I said right at the right at the start, oftentimes we in the West have the best of intentions. We want to spread our values. We the people, I'm not talking about the governments, the governments are a whole different thing. The people oftentimes have the best of intentions, but then those intentions do not translate to ground realities. What we end up doing when our countries, the US and its allies, pursue things like regime change, we end up destabilizing those countries and then we create more chaos and violence and destruction. 